Yo, Counterattack Podcast for myself, Daps. Guys, keep liking, subscribing, sharing, and all that good stuff. Um, thank you to those who came out to the live show. It was a huge success. Thank you to Lyle Taylor. Thank you to Julia Simich. Thank you to Peter Odenwingi. And thank you to Leroy Lita. It was a pleasure to have them on. Um, the Lyle Taylor interview is already up on YouTube, so make sure you go check that out and subscribe. I'm putting out the audio tomorrow, so by the time you hear this, the audio will already be out. Julia Simich next week, Peter Odomingo the week after. So, yeah, guys, just go and check it out. Let me know what you think. The feedback has been really, really good. But now we're on to today. We keep moving. So stay tuned for more stuff to come, in, to come up. Um, we've got a little quick one today. Because we put out the live visuals, we weren't actually going to the visuals for the live show. We weren't actually going to put out one today or this week, but we've got a little quick one for you. And this is a treat. I've been waiting to get to get him on for ages, but mate, the guys are forever busy, man. So <laughs> we just got Leon Mann in today. How are you, Lee? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for inviting me in. Nah, Thanks for inviting good. me in. It's Sorry good. it's taking so long, man. It's just been a crazy 2019 mm. so far. Yeah, nice. No, fine. I, to be honest, I'd much rather get you on now than in the early days of the podcast. Mm. I feel like now it'll be a better conversation <laughs> in regards to myself. And also, you're doing so much now, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm juggling. I'm juggling a lot. It's, um, I guess you could call it a portfolio career is the posh way of saying mm. it. I'm doing lots of different things. Yeah. Um, there's lots of opportunities that are coming up. So um, I'm very cautious in terms of what I do and how I do it, what I commit to. Um, there's nothing worse than doing something badly just because mm. it's an opportunity to do something. Yeah. You know, reputations go quickly in um, in a small industry. Mm. So I'm very cautious around what I choose to do. In the early days though, where you literally just taking on everything. Yeah, well, do you know, I think from the outside looking in, people might think that now because I do so many <laughs> different things or I've done lots of different things. So many people will know me as a broadcaster working with the BBC and ITV. Um, I mean, the last big gig I had was Euro 2016. So like, it's mm. crazy to think that was three years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, in that time since 2016, you know, some major footballers have asked me to help them with different things. Mm. Um, they were friends and now it's become like, you know, a, a business arrangement where I'm kind of helping them with communications, brand development, mm. um, lots of different areas that I think are perhaps underserved or certainly... Um, aren't done as effectively as they could be. So I'm trying to make my mark um, in that space as a consultant. Mm. Um, and then obviously I've got the football blacklist, um, a celebration blacklist. of black excellence in football. That's been going for 11 years. The co-founder I do that with is um, Rodney Hines and the Black Collective of Media in Sport, which I started when I went into the media and recognised, wow, it's just like a lack mm. of diversity. And I, and I feel uncomfortable going to games because actually I'm seeing lots of black players, black athletes. Mm. Um, however, when I look around me in the press box, if it's not Darren Lewis or Rodney Hines not there, mm. then there isn't anyone else there. Yeah. Um, that was certainly the experience at the beginning. Um, that was like 2008 sort of time. Is that along Becoms or Blacklist? Yeah, 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 Becoms. Becoms 2008 and Blacklist is about 2009. So um, wow. we've been doing this for a while. It's taken yeah. a long time to build the momentum and get the trust from the industry that we've got. But um, we're in a positive place. And, and there's the Sports People's Think Tank as well, um, which is basically bringing professional sports people together mm. um, to identify an issue that is important to them and then commissioning academic research mm -hmm. 
to kind of get the facts and figures. So we dispel any kind of discussion of, is this a relevant argument or not? Because yeah. the figures will tell you. Mm. So um, that's together with Jason Roberts, Michael Johnson, Darren Moore, Kelly Southerton, Nathan Talbot, who's yeah. a lawyer now, former footballer, used to play at Wolves. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, that's that's been an exciting project around the lack of black managers and coaches. Okay, cool. <laughs> that's a lot there, man. And I make films as well. I did two of you saying Bolt, so... Oh, oh, oh. You're going to stunt on him. <laughs> name drop, name drop, man, name drop. I'm trying to keep this interesting, man. So people keep watching. Do you know what I mean? Pop a podcast sometimes. Yeah, no, you know, they, they stop they, listening, they stop watching because it gets a bit dull when people think they're blowing their own trumpets. So. No, 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 not in this podcast. Once, once, once you're already here, they, they bloody listen to you. But um, what I was going to, going to ask you about first was is the football mm. blacklist. Um, how did that come about for you? Because obviously the next one's on November 19th. Yeah, 21st, November 21st. We moved the date. Okay, cool. We moved the date because of a venue issue yeah. um, that's now sorted, basically a venue that we wanted to have it in, um, didn't have disability access and we can't yeah. be doing that. You yeah. know, um, we won't use a, a venue that doesn't have access for yeah. disabled brothers and sisters. That's not right. Um, so we moved the date for that. But the football blacklist basically came about, my first job in football was at kick, races about football, kick it out. Mm. I was the media officer. Um, and as an outsider of the industry, you know, you know about the footballers, they're the stars, mm -hmm. but we don't know about people behind the scenes. We just yeah. don't because they're not visible. They're not necessarily meant to be doing media. So as a result of that, how do we um, have visible role models that we can aspire to be in the football industry outside of footballers? Mm. So for me, that became a concern because I was thinking, all right, okay, if you're a young black kid and you're looking at the football industry, where do you think you fit? Yeah. You only fit as an athlete, as a footballer. Mm -hmm. Because I don't see no CEOs, I don't see no visible directors, press people, any of that. Yeah. Um, however, when you work in the industry, you do meet these people. Mm -hmm. And they are few and far between. And they don't get the recognition they deserve because at these industry awards, it's very rare to see a black person up on stage. Yeah. So um, I kind of thought, well, let's celebrate these people. Mm. And it was it was a list in the Voice newspaper. I went to Rodney and said, I'd like to write this list. Um, Rodney commissioned it to, to his credit and got really behind it, gave it a great space, great energy, um, and it made an impact. Mm. Next thing you know, um, Lord Oosley and Piara Power, who were at Kick It Out at the time, they said, right, we should get these people together. Yeah. So actually, the idea of the celebration, which has come the big thing, is actually Lord Oosley and um, Piara Power, the mm. then CEO of um, Kick It Kick Out, Out, who yeah. now is running Football Against Racism in um, Europe, fair. So, so yeah. So now it's just become this kind of beast. The Premier mm. League support the celebration, um, which is massive because actually having that you know, it's the biggest sports league yeah. in the world. I mean, mm. I know NBA people, NFL people aren't going to like that, but mm. it is certainly one of, if not the biggest sports brand Do you think it's bigger than in the world. NBA? Do I think it's bigger than the NBA? Mm. I think well, it must be, actually, when you think about the global... Yeah, the global reach. Mm. I think the global reach of the Premier League is 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 bigger than the NBA. I mean, yeah. I like the NBA. Um, I'm not an expert in American sports, so yeah. I'd not like to build an argument about why the Premier League is bigger, yeah, yeah, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, it's having them as a supporter of the, um, the football blacklist mm. is 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 huge. So um, so yeah, man, we've 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 done some good things with the football blacklist. Yeah, I, I think one thing that really um, stuck with me because last year was my first one, and um, it's it's just like you said to see people because the players are you're always going to see the players. That's 
but it's the amount of people who are behind the scenes and who are all influential people in their mm. fields that, to be honest, you won't really know or see. Oh. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. But to see them there and everyone knows each other and it's just such, it's, it's just, it, you go away feeling empowered, definitely. I'll tell you what, the first one we did at the House of Lords, mm. we had about 40, 45 people there. And wow. I was surprised because it was a small but powerful room. So mm. basically, if you're on the list, you got an invite. Yeah. So nobody else was really invited into that event at that time. And I couldn't believe how many of the people in the room didn't actually like know each other. Mm-hmm. As in like, there's so few black people at the time, but people were kind of like introducing themselves to each other. And I was yeah. like, well, hang on, you didn't know each other. Mad. And actually, you know, as a journalist, mm. um, you get to meet everyone because you have an excuse to go and talk to people like doing the podcast, for example. You yeah. get an opportunity to invite whoever you like in to have a chat. Mm. We're actually in the real world of the industry. You know, it's hard to go and meet the different people across, yeah. you know, like the person who's working at Middlesbrough meeting the person who works at Brentford. Yeah. They're in completely different geographical locations. They're doing different jobs. So they don't actually meet each other. Mm. So, you know, I realised that through journalism, I developed this network and actually bringing that network together. It's just mad. It's just like really powerful. And I look at that spread in the Voice newspaper and it makes me so happy yeah. to see all of these black, brilliant faces looking back at me, reading what they've done and what they'll go on to do. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, it's 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 seriously inspirational to me. And I'm, I'm really proud um, to have played a part in that movement. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's good. Man. I think it's I important. It. I do think it's... Like for me, right, I'm watching television thinking, oh, I'd love to be a sports journalist. Mm. And who do I see? Garth <laughs> Crooks. Like, this is... I'm giving my age away, right? So I'm looking <laughs> and I'm seeing just Garth Crooks. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. It'd be great to do that job. Mm. on television, talking about football, asking the biggest players in the world, biggest managers in the world questions. And then I had to stop and go, well, how am I going to get to do that job? Because... This man here, he's paid, like, 500 games at the top level. Imagine that. Imagine that. I might as well just forget this perfecting how to ask questions and journalism. Mm. I better get myself out playing football. And I better get better at football because I'm going to need 500 games (laughs) before I do that. Athletics, Mm. jeez. You ain't got a chance unless you've got a gold medal. Yeah. Like, and not just one, by the way. Michael Johnson. Denise Lewis. Denise Lewis. Mm. Colin Jackson. I mean, massive shout out to Jeanette Kwachi. I was, I was going to bring her up. She's doing... Oh, I mean, Jean- she's Jeanette. Killing it. Jeanette. Killing Jeanette's it. like, you know, an amazing athlete, right? Mm-hmm. Shout because, out to Tongue Tied as well. Just got her just got her on the books. Right? Yeah, absolutely. They've, they've, they've done well there. They've done very well. <laughs> they've done well. They're doing well. They're doing very well as a company. I love mm-hmm. them as a company. Um, so Jeanette basically went back to school to get every single qualification really? and everything that she could get to make sure that when she stepped into that industry as a journalist, Mm. nobody could say, well, you know, you're only here because you're an athlete. Mm. You know, she went and did all the qualifications. She did all the hard graft when nobody could see it. Um, And now she's reaping the benefits of that, right? She's Mm. got, you know, an incredible gig at the BBC, trackside reporter. She's doing a stunning job at that. And she's inspiring so many people. Um, and it's no surprise to me that she is becoming more and more and more successful. Yeah. And she's a great example um, 
to the many athletes out there who won't win gold medals necessarily. Mm. And there's only so few who can actually take those gold medals. Yeah. Right? Um, there's only so many footballers that will play in the Premier League, you know. But if you are prepared to go and work at your craft mm-hmm. um, and develop as a person, as a professional person, then you can reap the benefits. Yeah, 100%. Man. But um, you, you touched on like the journalism aspect of things. and um, Do you still see yourself as a journalist? Oh, that's a great question, man. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm the, 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 the deputy chair of the Sports Journalists Association. Um, I would like to write more. Um, candidly, I don't have much time at mm-hmm. the moment to to write as much as I'd like to because mm-hmm. I'm very focused on the businesses that I'm developing and building. Um, but I, you know, I've I've got visions of doing more journalism in the in the future. Mm. So, so you still want to. Yeah, I do. I do. I do think you can get fatigue. Mm. I do think I never get tired of like interviewing a big sports star. Mm. Um, but then you've got to kind of, I've got to be excited about the reason why I'm going to see a big sports star yeah. or sports star or someone with an interesting story. Because being on the beat as I was, you can find yourself just asking people if they want to win a game at the weekend. Yeah. Like, what they're going to say? No. Because that would be the most interesting answer, let's yeah. face it. So why are we wasting a question asking yeah. them if they're going to win? Um, and we see it all the time. We hear these post-match interviews where it's just basically not even questions. It's just like, I think this, I think this, I think this. Did you see yesterday, I'm, Rashford? I didn't, you know. I, I've, I've been busy working. I was, I was doing a talk for Black History Month yesterday. Oh, but well, no, I didn't see it. But Did, did you hear about it? What, did you say three points? Yeah, it's, get a, three cup points? it's a cup game. Oh, um, well, I think that says, that says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, autopilot. you're just in autopilot mm. mode. And that's because we're not being disruptive and interesting in what we're asking and how we're asking, mm-hmm. how we're setting things up. Um, I'm doing some consulting with a company called Otro at the moment. Mm. Um, Is that the one with Bernard Mendy that I saw you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We've got Benjamin. Don't call him Bernard. Oh, sugar, man. Bernard. Come sorry, you, sorry. He'll come for you. But, sorry. Um, Benji. Benji <laughs> Mendy. Mendy again? Yeah, Benji Mendy. Ben, mm. ben, Benjamin Mendy. Um, he did some cool stuff with Lethal Bizzle that the company yeah. pulled together. Um, I was with Neymar a couple of weeks ago. He did some Uh-oh. really cool stuff dropping with um, Leila Annalie. Yeah, I know I'm dropping names. Oh, come on, I'm trying to keep it, <laughs> keep it interesting. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But um, the, the content that they're pulling together now is 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 really pretty cool. Mm. And they're, they're listening to the advice they're being given. Yeah. Not necessarily just by me, but by the players. You know, my role is kind of listening to the players, understanding what they want to do, what's interesting, finding out where that fits with the production team who've got amazing ideas. Yeah. There's lots of lots of things that need to fit together to make good content mm. that is, you know, compelling and that stands out. Yeah. And I think Otro are doing a great job at it at the moment. I'm not just saying that because I'm involved. Mm. But um, I think there are others doing great jobs um, out there as well. But it does, it takes some foresight. I mean, a lot of the content I see now popping up on like the BBC and stuff... Like 15 years ago, I was pitching this stuff and like people, no, oh, no, it hasn't got a strong editorial line. But it's, like, well, it's hang on, this is interesting. Now, but now it's part of the culture. Mm. So it's, it's amazing to see people like Craig Mitch. Um, it's amazing to see people like Josh Joel, Denzel. Joel Abia. Yep. Abia, is that his name? Um, Joel Bayer. Yeah, Cheeky Sport. JD Dyer. You'll notice I'm mentioning mainly the men, black men. And I think we need to do a lot more about black women. I love JD. Yeah, well, funny enough, he's just signed up with my company. Um, so I represent JD now. Um, yeah. And he's, he's got a massive, massive 
future. Um, yeah. And he will keep working hard at his craft and he will get better and better mm. and better. But he's relatable. You know, he knows what he's doing. And... Do you know where I met him? Go on. Blacklist. Oh, really? Oh, well, there you go. That's yeah. what it's about. Yeah, see, for connecting I, good people, man. I met him, met him at Blacklist. Mm. And then we connected there. And honestly, man, that's the stuff that we, that we do behind closed doors, man. It's, cool. Yeah, man. At the last show, he was meant to... Um, um, not host like bring these cameras down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he got called away yeah. by a sky, which is, you know, yeah. it's cool, man. But he's just he's got a big, big feature. I just yeah. saw that he's um he's doing an NBA show with NBA with show Ovi. with Ovi. Yeah, yeah he's, man. he's got that coming on, um, and he'll be doing lots and lots more because um he's talented, he's hardworking, mm. and he's down to earth. He's not yeah. going to have his head in the clouds thinking everything's going to fall on his lap. Yeah, the minute you think that is the minute that things start to go the other way. Because mm. there's always another JD who's Wait. coming up behind you. And actually that's a healthy, positive thing. Yeah. Because I believe as a broadcaster, you should continue evolving, getting better, thinking about where you fit in the industry. It, it, it will change. Mm. You know, in terms of where I sat in the industry 15 years ago to where I sit now is completely different. I've gone on a, on a journey where I've ended up in this space as a, as, as someone who does lots of different things, but at the time I was very focused on, on making films and I want to do interviews away from the training ground. Mm. I don't want to be yep. in this training ground environment because yep. it's too controlled. The players look nervous. They don't want to do it. And then we have this horrific interview at the end that actually gets cut down to one minute 30, banged out because we've paid for it. That and no everyone's saying Leon's journalism is rubbish. Yeah. So who does that work for? The player looks bad. The interviewer looks bad. The people paying for it look bad. Mm. So now actually, I think we've got a different approach to content. Um, and that's being driven by young people saying, I am not engaging in your content as you're putting it out. Mm -hmm. And I think that is incredible. Yeah, I think that's why I love podcasting. Mm. Because you give... It's, it's like a, I was saying, it's like a safe space where they can come and just be their authentic selves, have real conversation as opposed to, so tell me about your match today. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? And to be honest, I'm not trying to be funny. I don't, I don't really care about those sorts of... Well, look, um, I mean, I care if you get truth and honesty, but the problem is, I mean, how often is a player going to stand in front of you at the end of a game and say, I had a stinker. Yeah. And I had a stinker because my right back behind me was completely out of position, mm -hmm. bombing on all the time, and gave me a whole headache for the game. Yeah. Now that is interesting, right? That's but who's going to say that? You're not going to say that. In the nature of a team, everybody keeps everything tight. Mm -hmm. Once someone goes outside of that space, yeah. the dynamic of a team can change. Mm. And so I understand, and the politics in football are just horrific. And in you're, terms on of... the, like you're, you're, you're <laughs> in the other side of things. So... Mm. You see the politics. Well, I'm both sides. Mm. Like, I've been naive. I've, look, I, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be um, condescending um, to anybody watching or listening this. But as a football fan, you're given information by the press, mm -hmm. and a lot of people take it as that is fact. That is what the situation is. Yeah. But you got to remember, there's always two sides to a story. Mm. So how do you get that other side? And professional footballers are very, very bad at getting their side of the story out mm -hmm. um, because it's a very controlled environment. So this person is a troublemaker, turns up late for training, does this, does that, flash, this, that, the other, all these different things, right? Mm -hmm. Where does that come from? Where, can, where, where, where does that information come from? Where does that perception come from? Mm. You know, 
you haven't put your side of the story out because you haven't got a way of putting your side of the story out. Mm. So you have to sit in this space of reading this thing, going, oh, the media's evil. Yeah. Actually, if there's an outlet to kind of like counterbalance what situations are, mm. then you find yourself in a much more powerful position. Um, because you're not going to pick the phone up to a journalist necessarily. Some people have really good relationships and can do that. But do you have someone in your team who can do that in a way that is structured Mm. and do that in a way that doesn't actually cause you problems with your club, but actually allows you to communicate quite clearly so people understand who the real you is? Mm. Do you have people in your team who are professional in terms of how they project you and your real self? Yeah. and a lot of players go, oh, look, man, I'm playing for Brentford. Do you know what I mean? I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, why, why am I going to need that? Yeah. You absolutely need that. Mm. Because you as your brand probably need it more than some of those bigger players. Mm. Because actually when you finish your career, while you'll have a nice amount of money parked away if you've been sensible, yeah. you're going to need to use you know, what you've achieved in your life to that date to help you propel to the next level. Yeah. Um, so you need to think about all of those things. Who is that person? Who are those people? What is your team? Who Who's helping you so that when you're 33, 34, you're excited mm. about what you do next? Yeah. You know, so you fend off the depression, the mental health challenges um, of losing a career. Mm-hmm. But actually you have that segue of, right, I've had a great career and I'm ready for the next challenge. Mm. You know, who helps you do that? You know, I, I think these are big questions that players need to to ask themselves and to identify at 24, 25, 26, not wait until they're 34, mm. 35 um, to make decisions like that in terms of in terms yeah. of who they build around them. And it's it's we were speaking about this in the in the car on the way up. Mm. And um I don't know if how, especially at the top, top level. It's so hard not to conflict with like clubs mm. when you're when you're doing that. So I, d- I don't know how someone would maybe go about getting that done. Yeah. If I mean, you, you've got a source outside of your club environment. Mm. Um, you know, it's not unusual for big professional players to have PR people. Mm. Um, Ozil did it with, with David Onstein recently. Oh, who's that? Ozil. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah what well, in terms of an interview? Yeah, yeah. No, but what I'm talking about is. You know, who is the person who set up the interview? Yeah. Okay. You know, and and who looked at the timing of the interview mm. um, and who worked on the things that, that, how you would answer the questions in the interview um, to make sure that you're communicating clearly. Yeah. Um, all of those things often require expertise. So how are players doing that at the moment? Mm. Um or are they just turning up to do interviews, having read a few of the questions that have been sent beforehand and hoping it goes well? How do you use your opportunity to say something and when you say something to actually present a powerful message, be it kind of explaining who you are, explaining mm. a difficult situation, presenting yourself as you are to your friends and family, how you want to be perceived, yeah. which might be completely different to the perception that there is of you out there which is based on a whole load of stuff that you've not controlled because you don't feel you can control it in any way. Yeah. When actually, you can't control some of that stuff, that negative stuff that comes towards you, right? Mm. But you can control what you put out. Yeah. Oh, that leads me to my next one, actually. Controlling what you put out very quickly. Because there are some people who are privy to it, 
Mm. Well, more so now because it's a thing in the, in the papers, but how people are maybe spoken about in the media, mm. especially, you know, let's say the black the black players. So before the whole Sterling thing mm. blew up, there was a clear problem in the press with how, mm. how he's reported on or whatever. Who decides that at the end? Because... It's got to go through what well, my understanding, but obviously, obviously, you might be able to shed more mm. info on that. It's got to go through channels before it's actually printed or whatever. Yeah. And so, like, could you maybe tell us the process of, mm. or I can't ask you to what's the thinking behind it because mm. that's that's ridiculous. Mm. But like, is is it, do you think it's done on purpose at times? Yes, is the answer to that question. Because look, right when we look at the media, right what do we look at it and think it is mm. in terms of it in its traditional sense? The media is supposed to be about new information. Mm-hmm. So that's why you ask a question to get new information, right? Yeah. You would hope that information is the truth. So you want honesty from that. So if you use that as two, three pillars there, right? That is what the media is meant to be and you're meant to present as the media truth, honesty, the real mm-hmm position yeah now a lot of media does that the majority of media does that um but then we are completely disregarding the commercial nature of the media Mm. so the commercial nature of the media is i have this product i need to sell so now how do you sell something in the best way well you make it really visible yeah so how do you make this thing that's truth and honesty but actually I need to sell it in a way. Mm. Well, you put a massive label on it yeah. that attracts the most attention. So that's where a headline comes from. Yeah. And that's often what people see and they don't read the rest of the story. Yeah. And also people, by being controversial, and people do this in podcasts, in broadcasting, etc. Mm. by being controversial, that attracts an audience. Yeah. You know, look, we see an Arsenal fan TV, right? Mm. You know, that controversial nature of the content Mm -hmm. is compelling. It's great to watch. Is it necessarily a true representation of Arsenal fans? Well, it is some Arsenal fans. And I think Mm. what Robbie's done there is, 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 is great in Mm. terms of giving the fans a voice, but is it representative of the majority of, of yeah, Mm. of a majority. And maybe when you look at Arsenal fan TV and I probably can't call it that now, can you, but whatever it's called Mm. now, if you look at the entirety of the content they have there, it probably is representative. Yeah. Right? But who does that? You just mm. do the 15 to 30 second clip of somebody being totally outrageous yeah. about a footballer or the club or whatever. And that is what you leave and and that's 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 essentially your impression of the situation. Mm. Um the media is exactly the same. Big controversial headline draws you in to read it, big controversial picture sometimes, mm. draws you in, then you read the detail. If you read the entire article, maybe hopefully you get balance. Yeah. Other times you don't get balance, as you know, Raheem rightly pointed out on his Instagram account. But I think sometimes people need to be a little bit more cynical mm. in terms of how the media is presented to them. Mm. Because essentially people are selling stuff. Yeah. They're selling that newspaper. They're selling that TV coverage. So the controversy that's involved in that, Roy Keane is a perfect example. You know, Dumb and Dumber. That goes viral, right? 
He's talking about Tottenham's fullbacks. It's dumb and dumber. Mm. Why is that going viral? Because it's kind of that controversial, interesting thing that evokes mm. emotion. Yeah. You have an emotion towards it, so you engage with it. Mm. It's the same with content, online content, social content, anything that evokes an emotion, whether you like it or dislike it, you know, does well. Mm. So, the but you move away from the principles of what is truth and honesty yeah. within this. Mm. Um so, so that is my belief in terms of why some decisions are made commercially. And then there's positionality. So if we're saying that we're looking at a media that is to- totally non-diverse or certainly lacks diversity, we are seeing the world through our traditional media through a white lens. Mm. And not just a white lens, a white, able-bodied male lens. Yeah. So everything set up in terms of how that media works is set up from that audiences and that group's perspective so you know i would hope that someone would pick up the voice newspaper and see a different tone yeah a different way that is presented but actually the mainstream media that we have in this country of course it's a majority white country right so we're getting a majority white view of the world every time that's dripped into us day to day to day you see how you talk about white media and Mm. Whatever. Obviously, you're not saying it in a way where it's um, offensive. Mm-hmm. Well, not to me anyway. Mm. But do you sometimes... In fact, I'm going to give you an example. You had... Um, not you, but there was a talk mm-hmm. um, in the Mayor of London building. Oh, I yeah, think yeah. it was early on this year. I think B- it might B-coms. Was it, yeah, was B-coms. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, B-com- my, my, my it was a B-coms one, yeah. yeah. And I remember I was talking to um, a journalist from... Is it the National Press or something? Is that, is that one? National Press? I don't know. Press Association? Press Association, yeah. Yeah. Press Association, I was talking to him. And, no, there were two of them having a conversation Mm. with each other. One felt quite offended Mm. by what he'd heard Mm. because he felt like he's been called out or Mm. whatever. Mm. But then the other person was more, you know what, I'm one of those people who he's talking about. I need to buck up my ideas. Mm. Both white, both Mm. white. Mm. I need to buck up my ideas, but I just, and he was really hurt by it because he, he felt like he didn't have the answers yeah. and he felt like he needs, he needs help, which is, which is the right response. Listen, do you know what I mean? But right. you, you do get the other side who, of people who, who might become offended. Does anyone ever come to you and be like, look, the way you're talking, it's not us, blah, blah, blah. No, if we, look, look, I mean, people have to be uncomfortable for people to change, right? Mm. If everyone's really comfortable, you're not going to change. Yeah. If you're a footballer and you're coasting it every week, mm. you know, and, you, and no one's actually challenging you to play at a higher level and become uncomfortable, mm. you're probably going to sit at that level and you're going to coast along. It's exactly the same. The analogy works in terms of the media yeah. and trying to change anything. People have to become a little bit, move around and squirm a bit mm. in their seat. So I don't actually mind doing that, but I am conscious that I should and always yeah. try and do that mm. in a respectful way. Yeah, Because I need people to listen to me. Mm. Because if someone comes and offends me, normally my thing is I'd walk off and I just ignore them, cut mm. them from my life. Yeah. But actually, I want to disrupt the industry mm. to get people to think and then actually have that honest conversation. I think that's the perfect thing for someone to say is, I don't know how to address this issue. Mm. And then I want to be in a position or I want others to be in positions. Yeah. It's not just me. I'm not on some soul crusade. It's not mm. me who's <laughs> going to solve this by myself, right? Yeah. I can't do it. a good that. job though. I mean... But we need people to say, I need help. Yeah. And then at that point, it needs to be right. Have you met this guy? Have you met this guy? And mm. then they can help you and I will help with this. One of the best advi- bits of advice I was ever given was by Garth Crooks. 
mm. um, where he said to me, give, when you go to a boss, mm. and this applies to any situation. So if, regardless if you're working in Tesco's or you're a professional footballer or you're a scientist or whatever it is, mm. when you go to your boss with a problem, don't just go in there, leave a load of problems, have a moan up mm. and walk out the yes, door, right? Solutions. Precisely. Mm. If you bring a problem, you must bring a solution. And the important part to that, that I would say is vital, make yourself part of that solution as well. Mm. So be involved in that solution. And that is not just to, it's not, it's not to big yourself up. Mm. It's not to say, look, you know, I'm doing this for profile i'm doing this to have power mm. actually you're doing it you're being involved in the solution to make sure the solution is delivered properly yeah because what some people do they come in they go this is a problem here's some ideas on how you need to address this mm. and then they kind of go see you later i'll come back in a year's time to see how you got <laughs> yeah. on they come back in a year's time lo and behold the document's in exactly mm. the same place on the person's desk yeah because you haven't been there to make sure that it's been executed mm. in any way so the pressure has gone yeah. So for me, I like it when people become uncomfortable. Yeah. But I do assure them that this is the beginning of a process that will see them do better in this area. Mm -hmm. And they should rightly receive accolades for the change that they will bring about. Yeah. And those accolades are likely to be financial because their business will be better um, and also reputational because... Mm -hmm. Leaders must lead. Yeah. So many leaders are like, oh man, I just I don't know how to do this. So I'm just going to focus on this other thing that I'm good at. Mm. Actually, a real leader goes, right, I don't know about this. I need to get some people in, expertise. I need to give a value to this and put some budget aside. So I'm going to pay for this because I value it. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to set some markers in place to make sure that we are on this journey. Mm. And also I'm going to be flexible enough to say, if this ain't working... I'm going to rip it up. I'm going to change it and I'm going to do things differently. Yeah. And that takes bravery. And that's mm. real leadership and that's yeah. what we need. Okay, cool. Um, before we wrap this one up though, two very quick things. Mm -hmm. Tottenham, your your views on their season, Poch, Kane, everyone just, just quick, brief one minute wrap up. Oh man. Of what's going on. Tottenham in a minute, man. That's a that's a difficult one. I think, <laughs> you know, I, 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 anyone who listens to me, um, regularly knows I always talk about context, right? And that is what football fans are very bad at. Very, very the bad. The context of success is always vital to understanding where you actually are. Mm -hmm. Now, Tottenham Hotspur were in a Champions League final, right? Didn't turn up, but they were in a Champions League final. Mm -hmm. So the context now that Tottenham Hotspur fans see their club is completely different. To what it actually is. To what it actually is. Mm. Now, look, Tottenham were in the final. Should they have been in the final? Were they better than Ajax over the two games? Mm, probably not. I was mm. in the first game. Um, I watched the second game on, on TV. I think Ajax were better than Tottenham. I remember, um, I remember you tweeted, actually. I've never seen you so animated in oh, tweeting. It's Champions League yeah. final, man. It's not <laughs> happening again. Never... It might not ever happen again in my life. I was lifetime. so angry, but that, that, was, that was funny. That was funny. <laughs> So it's, 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 for me, it's totally context, context, context. Mm. So let's, let's take a step back. Let's say what we achieved last year was incredible. Um, I hoped 
that actually the mentality of that set of players would go to another level because once you achieve mm. like anyone in any career, like once I started doing football focus, yeah, I was like, yeah, well, geez, well, I want to do match of the day now, mm. and I want to, I want to be like presenting some of this stuff now. Mm. Whereas before that seemed so scary. So your mentality changes, I yeah. think, as you begin to achieve, and I think that was one of the things that held back that group of players. Yeah, because actually, if you look through that team, no one had really achieved anything in terms of winning things. Um, so actually, achieving getting to a final, I felt right. The next thing that's coming now is this team's going to explode. Mm. And we're going to start winning things mm. and the winning mentality will kick in. However, it's gone the opposite way. Poch has interestingly said, look, at the start of the season, the players weren't weren't right. We hadn't had the right amount of preparation. Mm. There's some quite cryptic things that have been said by Kieran Trippier in terms yeah. of it being toxic yeah. and wanting to get out. There's rumours of Ericsson and Kane not getting on. Mm. You know, two key players in, in that dressing room. Um, players just... Don't the, want to be there, mate. Yeah, I mean, I look. I I obviously speak to a lot of players, um, and it's interesting to get their perspective mm. um, in terms of what is or isn't going on at Tottenham Hotspur. Um, what I would say though is this is just the drama of football, right? It's what yeah. keeps us interested. You know, it, it's always interesting. Yeah, you know, I got our, our neighbours Arsenal who are doing you know just as badly at the moment without a Champions League. Um, I mean, we, we don't need to go there, but it's, <laughs> I, 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 get, I get what you're saying. But context is everything, right? Mm. I grew up with, with Tottenham and Arsenal, Arsenal winning leagues. Where I grew up, Green Lanes, Haringey, I could hear when Arsenal scored. Mm-hmm. All my mates at school would support Arsenal. Everyone would say, why do you support Tottenham, Leon? They don't have no black players. I'd say, well, what about Vinny Samways? I, to this day, I don't know if Vinny Samways is black or not, <laughs> right? I still don't know. If anyone's listening and can tell me, just tweet me, at Leon underscore man. Um, but it was it was tough being a Tottenham fan. Mm. Although we had Gaza, Lineker, some Ginolas, all these great players I've watched over the years. Um, but, you know, being a Tottenham fan, it's a good time to be a Tottenham fan. Mm. It's a good time to be a Tottenham fan. And I don't think people should get away from that. And the turning point for Tottenham for me in terms of this run that we've had is when we were actually losing, I think, at half-time and the fans applauded the team off because they could see the team was playing well and doing mm. well and unlucky to be going in 1-0 yeah. down. Now, I, I remember it was a big moment for me because I was like, mm-hmm. wow, we, we like if we're 1-0 down, mm. we boo, regardless yeah. of the performance. Yeah, But actually, there was something that day that happened where the fans showed a different level of understanding and appreciation. Mm. And for me, that energy drove Tottenham Hotspur to do the things that they did over the next few years mm. under Poch. Yeah. Um, and those days will return. Yeah. And I think they'll return fairly swiftly. Okay, hopefully not. Let's not start speaking things. Let's not <laughs> start speaking things. Undombele, by the way, next season. Oh, player. PFA player of the year. Player. Next season, not this season. He doesn't look fit or sharp at the moment. He's a good player. Um, well, I'd say not fit or sharp. Of course, he's fit and sharp, but not as fit and sharp as I think next year when he understands mm. the league a bit better and yeah. Poch understands his position a bit mm. better. He's going to be player of the year because he does mm. incredible things. Like, like You know, like Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. You know, when he's fit and sharp, he's next level. I think he's the best player in the league. Yeah. You know, Raheem's obviously stepped up massively. But... Um, Manny. Kundumbele. Yeah. My man, he's going to be doing bits. Okay, last bit before you go. Obviously, Yaya Torre is one of your closest friends. Mm. Um, 
there's always like there's like an ongoing debate I'm, I'm always having with people. And I know you probably, you probably don't want to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want you to do this bias. Go on. Yaya or Stevie G? Oh, man. Well, look, obviously I'm going to back my guy, am I? So you can't ask me that. Is that why? Because he's your guy? No, I mean, look. Because I, um, I say Yaya anyway. Yeah, I mean, look. For, for me, Yaya is one of the most misunderstood players um, of our generation. Um, and what I mean by that is when people talk about Yaya, they talk about Yaya highlights Yaya. Mm. Because that's how most people consume football highlights. Mm. You're not watching every game live. It's impossible <laughs> yeah. to do that. Um, but through becoming good, good friends with Yaya, I obviously was going to a lot of games, watching him a lot. And you know, there's players in your team that you understand, like your team like is Arsenal. Yeah. So you'll know players to a different level of anyone else because you're watching them every week. Mm-hmm. So with Yaya, everyone's like pace, power, right? Like, mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that, mm. that, that is a big thing, the stereotypical view of a black player. Mm. But Yaya's like a ballerina. He's not like a beast. Mm. And in fact, Yaya said to me one time, he goes, oh, I'm the beast. I'm like, bro, you're more of a ballerina. Mm. Because I tell you, when you get the ball, it's one touch. It's beautiful. It's like like little strokes. It's like mm. an artist. Yeah. He wants the ball. He wants to give it. He wants to give it again. He wants to, you can see the influence of Barcelona and mm. continental football. Um, he wants to go forward. He wants to drive with the ball, you know. And to the extent where I think it actually damaged his career that this kind of highlights reel of him being, you know, ridiculous amounts of players mm. in that fantastic season and seasons that he had became the definition of what Yaya is. When yeah. actually, if you speak to Man City fans, yes, that was the amazing thing mm. that um, got people off their chairs. But actually, his passing, his understanding of the game, you know, um, his nickname's Le Ordinateur, you know, which means computer in French. Um, <laughs> because his understanding of the game, the angles, like like Undombele, we're mm. going to see that more with him. <laughs> you know, we don't talk about the intelligence of Yaya Toure. We talk mm. about the power of Yaya Toure. And I think that intelligence, that understanding of the game, that leadership, mm. why is it all the young players that he plays with always love him? Yeah. I think for me, I've always said Yaya. Mm. But I've always said if Yaya was a white Englishman playing how he, how, how he plays, oh. his his stock would just be through the roof. But I'll mm. tell you very quick before I, I go, the, the, the moment that secured it for me in terms of him being just unreal was, I think it might have been his final season against... Or the second to last. Arsenal, Man City at Emirates. Oh, I remember that, yeah. And then the last 10 minutes of that game, mm. couldn't get close to him. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't get close to him. And I was just like, this player's... And he scored a goal that Left game. Left foot curled it yeah. in the top corner, just like opened his body up. It was an incredible game. Yeah, and it, you just could not get close to him. And yeah. we're talking about at the top, top level, yeah. Yeah. your team's on top and you just can't get close to him. Yeah. No, he's, he's, he's a madness. But anyway. Yeah, but yeah, after that game, the studio talk was all about how he had let down yeah, Manchester he, he's City. Yeah, he's taken liberties because for because 80 minutes of the game. 80 minutes, he's not interested. Yeah. And then the last 10 minutes, he yeah. is. Mm. Well, hang on. How, how does this work? Because yeah. we're not talking about the excellence of someone and actually taking responsibility at a time the team is mm. in crisis. No, the true. framing is the other way around. Mm. Um, and that has been a frustration. Um, and that's where Yaya has suffered. Mm. Because the influence of those pundits on general football fans mm. is huge. Yeah, massive. It's absolutely huge. The things I hear on the bus from my Uber driver, from barbers, is all repetition of mm. what pundits have said. It's rarely, rarely, rarely 
new original perspectives mm. on football. That can't actually, think for themselves. Well, I, I think it's easy not to. I think mm. because there's so much football and there's so many pundits and mm. there's so many views that actually people do fall into, oh, that sounds clever. Mm. Let me repeat that. As opposed to actually like challenging themselves a bit more mm. by doing a bit more deeper analysis. And look, who's got time to do that in their life? They're trying oh. to earn a crust, right? So I get it. Trust but me. it's an interesting dynamic that's out there. But again, how players communicate is absolutely key. And I've been a good friend of Yaya for a long time and um, looking forward to seeing him. He's back in um, in the UK in about seven days. We are going to talk. <laughs> we are going to talk. But anyway, um, yeah, guys, um, Leon, thank you very much for coming on. No, thank you. Sorry uh, it took so long. No, 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 no. It's Sorry good, it man. So you definitely have to come back, man. Yeah, Come back yeah, when, yeah, you, when yeah, you're I'm, ready, man. I can chat to you all day. But um, yeah, guys, like I said, keep liking, subscribing, sharing. Um, live show, all that, all the visuals, all the audio is going to be out. You know, just over time. The next three weeks, everything, everything should be out. Lyle Taylor's one's out. And um, yeah, guys, keep hitting us up at Dapo CEO. You need to, if you want to get Leon Manis. At Leon underscore man. With two N's. Yes, two N's. For man. So L-E-O-N underscore M-A-N-N. Is that on Insta and Twitter? Yeah, Insta and Twitter. Um, I keep it entertaining, keep it lighthearted. Yeah, yeah. Don't go with your, your deep dives, please. Yeah, if you're an <laughs> Arsenal fan, you might see... Um, a rod with a fish on the end of it on a yeah. Thursday night, but don't worry about that. Thursday night football's all good, man. I Whatever. used to cover it for ITV. I love that. Whatever. Love that. Can't stand you. <laughs> but yeah, um, all right, cool, guys. Um, but that's it from us. See you next week. We're out. <laughs>